We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Yeah, it sounded like you wanted to hear about uh, how COVID-19 is affecting construction, development, like that impact? Is that the word? I've been talking to a lot of different people, a lot of different industries, just checking in with you. What's going on in your world? How's this How's this impacting your world? Uh, about three weeks ago, uh, it wasn't. Uh, everything was great. Things were moving forward. Uh, you know, a lot of contractors, smaller contractors have that. Uh, I'd say it's kind of a Republican conservative theme of this thing is kind of like a hoax. What's the big deal? Uh, it's just another flu. Uh, and now they've changed their tune. Uh, so, uh, you know, on, on the contracting side, I have one subcontractor that uh, sends me text messages every day to let me know what the count is uh, and, and send me a map to show me where all the cases are. Um, but he's still on the job. So I don't really understand. I think it's more of a, like just expressing the concern. Uh, then, uh, sub subcontractors that, you know, just like any other day, life goes on. And then, uh, you know, uh, another contractor that has had health issues in the past and is, does not want to be on the job site if anyone else is there other than me to walk with him to provide direction so he can convey to his guys. And, uh, you know, the ultra concerned side. So it's been uh, uh, interesting because that's the, uh, the contracting side. Um, the other challenge is people working from home. There was that shift about two, a week and a half ago so we were in the middle of ordering windows uh, on the project in Golden Hill. And uh, during that process, you know, people were moving from the office to home and getting acquainted and trying to get their systems in place. So that provided delays. Um, and then no one's experienced this. So everyone's kind of copying each other's letters that they receive from the building industry or other contractors they get. So, you know, when Governor Newsom gave his uh, speech of everyone's staying in place, but construction is an exemption for, for housing. Um, the next morning I had to pull together a letter, um, you know, of recommendations to our contractors to wear gloves, eyewear, um, you know, have sanitizer, um, to, you know, check in to schedule. So we don't have too many guys on site at once. Uh, it has set up, Two, two hand washing stations with gloves for everybody, anyone and everyone on site who wants to use them. Uh, the porta potties upping the, the cleaning of how many times they get cleaned a week to two times a week, included hand sanitizer in both the porta potties. And, you know, I thought I really got ahead of it. And then there's just things that you don't really think about if you're not the subcontractor out there working every day. And uh, one area to the building you can only access by ladder. And a sub said, pretty much we won't go up the ladder because other people are using it. 
So now uh, tomorrow I have my framer building temporary stairs to that floor just so people can access by stairs so they don't have to touch rungs of a ladder that someone else touched. Um, and, uh, you know, um, scheduling wise, there's two subs, like I said, that won't work on the job when someone else is there, essentially. So it's trying to schedule them on weekends or different times and days. Uh, and then there's the opposite side. So it obviously has created a lot more work at less efficiency and less capacity out in the field. But then on the opposite side, there's a you know, investor partner um, that has a family and you know high net worth and the feedback i got from them was probably like more fear driven but it was uh you know with having money in the stock market and other projects going on you know other than what they're invested with uh partnered with me on um you know and the minute you know governor newson started speaking it was you know, everything's shutting down, the state's shutting down, we can't do anything, everything's, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do? And, uh, you know, then the next day getting a message that says, uh, we need to have a plan. And what do you mean a plan? Like, what's everything that could go wrong if this continues and we need to have a mitigation plan for it? And my re literal response was, I don't have a crystal ball. You know, the best I could do is shake a magic eight ball to tell you the outcome. And the best I can do is try to get ahead of this to provide the precautionary, you know, measures that everybody's safe on site and do everything I can to keep things moving forward and to keep momentum. That same Friday that Newsom spoke, the other person I had to communicate with was my lender, um, you know, um, who, you know, the loan company who's on that project. They have a $6 million construction loan. Uh, you know, one of the biggest in their portfolio. And one of my concerns wasn't just, can I keep people working? It was, can I keep paying them? So, you know, immediately I, you know, had to get on the phone and, you know, send emails and communicate with them and say, hey, are you guys still in the game? Are we still doing this? Here's all the precautions we took. This is what we're doing. And uh, fortunate enough, you know, they're in the business of lending and they're real people and real like San Diegans that you can talk to, not someone in an office in New York. And they said, keep moving forward. We'll keep writing checks and let's keep moving forward. So um, that was my biggest fear is the lending side. that they didn't do. Because what happened in the, the downturn um, during the recession that you probably can share um, is just like people's home equity loans with, you know, in the commercial world, when the banks went into receivership, all the construction loans that they had out when they went into receivership, uh, the bank that had to manage their assets essentially cut off every future check to construction projects and said, we are no longer funding draws anymore until a future notice date. Um, you know, one prime example of that was the Q building by Jonathan Siegel in Little Italy. They literally cut off his funding as the bank he had the loan with went into receivership. So, or, or the, you know, the potential in that case, the risk people had is the bank said, we're not giving you any more, any more money because the property value dropped and we're only required to give a certain percentage. So, um, yeah, really lucky to have a private lender that 
charges more, but that's sticking it through to see things done. Ultimately, my position is, you know, the real estate is the collateral and the income it produces when it's done. Um, that's my rant. Sorry to go on. No, I mean, it's, it's good to hear your side. I think uh, a couple points you made. I think um, Crystal's, in, Crystal's over here. She's not in the call, but Crystal already is hearing cutting off. Are people stopping funding projects? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, a couple of private lenders that just stopped um, issuing costs. Yep, it's happened. Yeah. So I think this this is where it comes down to relationships. And I think the lender you're with, you have a good one. So I think they're like, they probably think that if this thing clears, we're in a place like San Diego. If you stop, they stop you and then it gets good. You've lost momentum. It's not good for both of you. So you might as well keep going, right? Um, I mean, that's how I look at it. If you're going to give somebody money, why stop for three, yeah, four months? I, I, I don't, I don't know what the, the perspective would have been if we were earlier in on the project. I know someone who pulled a permit at the, at the city last week, how they pulled the permit last week at the city. I, unbeknownst to me, but it seems like it should have got done a long time ago during this process and they just got a final sign off, but they had talked to, uh, they were, you know, dealing with the lender kind of at the finish line before the last couple of weeks and the lender, uh, for construction funding pulled the ripcord and said, no, you know, and they checked in with a few backups and they're all saying no. So as it relates to construction funding, starting a new project right now, it is a hard no. Uh, and then I don't know where we'd be. If we were just grading right now, maybe the lender's position would be a lot different. Uh, but it's a, you know, four story, it's a five story building with the basement uh, and it's completely topped out framing. So I think there's light at, you know, at the end of the tunnel where, you know, it's justified for the lender because they already have about 55% of their money out. Um, so seeing it through to the finish line makes sense. But if the lender only had, you know, only had closed or had, you know, 5% or 10% of the construction budget out, it may be, it may be different. Yeah. I mean, I put a couple of videos out and I, my biggest concern is, um, just people paying the bills. I tell people the best thing you can do is pay your rent, pay your bills. Cause you know, I mean, if, if you, if everybody stops paying their bills, I mean, wall street, the secondary market, they're here, they're freaked out right now. And their concern is, is are, are they going to pay their rent? And if they don't pay their rent, are you going to pay your Fannie Freddie big debt loan on your 500 unit building? Or, you know, are this is are the restaurants aren't paying. So this can, just get out of control. So I tell people the best thing you do is pay your, pay your bills. And if this is short lived, it'll help. If you don't pay your bills and play games, it's going to be a problem. Uh, I have a lot of assurance because Kenny went online and he told everybody to pay his bills this week. Um, so I'm grateful. Uh, recently finished a project in Hillcrest uh, last year, late last year. And I got prepped by Sunrise Property Management. They manage about 5,000 units. And uh, they were prepping for the worst. And so far, there's 13 units there. 11 out of the 13 have paid. One of them is requesting uh, an early move out due to COVID-19. And then another one, we're unsure of at this point until it gets closer to the fifth or the 10th. Uh, but that's a building that's located by uh, you know, UCSD Hospital. 
and most of the tenants are either self-employed or military or nurses. So the nurses are making more money right now that are probably a little less than half the units. But I, I haven't received feedback on what's happening in typically in the, in the rental market. You, you know, people say, well, if I have blue collar apartments, those are people, hardworking people that always pay their bills and always have a roof over their head. In this environment, if you're in any job that's working per hour, your hours are cut. You're the first person to go, whether it's the service industry, you know, whether it's a plumber service that no people aren't making calls to have at their home anymore. And I think that the higher end of the market might actually do better in collections because they may have more corporate jobs where corporations will just continue to write that check while people work from home. But the lower end guys that have to get done work for themselves or work for, you know, per hour of work or more labor type jobs or service industry, it's going to hurt. So I don't know, have you guys, uh, how have your collections been so far, the units that you own, or is it too early to tell? We haven't made the call, so we don't know. Um, I'm looking at an email over here. I'm not going to mention who it's from, but somebody is being very proactive in our industry. That's a big owner and with a lot of big owners. And I talked to him the other day and I don't want to say his name because he asked me not to, but um, this law was supposed to be for six months of free rent. And because of this right here, these people over here, it went to two and they're going, they're pushing really, really hard back at Gavin Newsom and how he handled this and said, so if we don't get paid, how are we going to pay? What about us? You're bailing everybody else out, but if Rami and Kenny don't get paid on the building, and we want and we're we didn't do anything wrong, we're like this. What what about us? Like everybody's getting bailed out, but so they're pushing back. Like where's where's us? You know. So I think I don't know the number, but I'm gonna get a lot of data soon, which I'll post. Um, I think I'm gonna probably give it to the fifth and see, but. Um, I, I, I agree with you deal. I did, I did have a zoom call with our buddy, Alan Nevin. So, um, that will go live, but Alan thought April might be okay because if people got let go, they probably got severance and they had to get vacation and it might've pushed because people make their money in March. They pay their bills for April, April, hopefully they go on unemployment. They get the government check. They do the right thing and make their payment for May. But we're, I'm more worried about May than April personally. And then yeah, about June and July, that's the problem. So I, I, I did ask the, the, you know, I did speak to a property manager who manages 300 units and they had, they said they needed to make, this is as of the first, uh, they said they needed to make, uh, it was either 12 or 13 calls out of those 300 units of emails that they had already received from tenants saying, we need some type of deal or we can't pay. And that was as of the first. And I kind of asked him, what's your projection? And he said, maybe it gets, hopefully it stops at 30, at least for this month where it's like 10% of the portfolio. But when you start looking at those numbers of what's expected in San Diego, a 3% vacancy rate, uh, you know, uncollectible rents when you look at 10 percent of people not paying over 300 units for a property manager's portfolio that's a crazy number 
Um, the, the other challenge that, you know, I've started to, to discuss on just one unit in that project in Hillcrest with the property manager is I said, he said, well, you know, maybe we could work it out and it's better that we collect, we, we collect and we let them out early and kind of it, it all works out. And I said, well, what am I going to do with the unit? He said, well, what do you mean? And I immediately put the leasing agent on the phone who leases, you know, their units every day in San Diego. And I asked him, what's the leasing market like? Are you still, are people, people are staying in place, but it's still that market where people are moving into units that you have listed. And he said, it's the worst I've ever seen it. Trying to lease up units in this market right now. Um, so it changed my perspective on the strategy of maybe it's better to just maybe cut a deal with that one tenant or, you know, have them pay their rent deferred at a future date. Um, the other issue that you could potentially run into is, you know, if you have vacancies that hit the market right now and you have to chase the market to the bottom to fill them is what does that look like? for all your other units when they turn over and you're trying to get your higher rents as you just released units lower, you know, how are all those other tenants going to feel in uh, renewing their leases when someone else in the building paid potentially 10 or 20% less? So there's a lot more moving parts than just, you know, what's on the surface. And, you know, I heard, I saw something online that was interesting through social media from an apartment owner. And that was uh, what's been going around. And that's, uh, you know, are restaurants giving, if you're having a, a hardship through COVID-19, are restaurants giving you free food or small businesses giving you free services? Is your CPA doing your taxes for free? Like they don't want anyone to carry the burden except for landlords because somehow they think landlords are rich. I'm a landlord. I don't own a home. I'm in an apartment sitting in here right now that I pay rent to my landlord and uh you know I'm you know in a similar position to you it's invest in real estate go do more deals and you know I'm not in a place of financial security like everybody thinks or you know, a lot of society thinks that landlords are in or developers are in and trying to provide it you know healthy safe housing yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, people, obviously, Chris and I have gotten a lot of calls from clients freaking out. And I just said, depending on how big your portfolio is, um, there's some guys that, you know, I know that have thousands of units and that's a lot of calls. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to call them today, but I'm hoping to get data from a lot of people. But I tell people, if you have a small portfolio and people are calling you and saying, I can't pay, I'm like, well, you need to have a conversation. I'm like, cool. Send me proof that you got let go. Send me proof that you filed for unemployment. And I want to know, like, so you can't pay, so you have zero money in the bank? Did You didn't get severance in this? I think people could pay. They're going to hoard their money. But this isn't going to help. They don't realize that they're going to shoot themselves in because this is going to be a domino effect. That's what they don't understand because they, they this message that went out just said, like, you don't have to pay rent. And I talk to people that are not educated or know. They just go, oh, I thought we didn't have to pay rent. That's what I heard on the news or radio. They, nobody's, nobody has explained. The, they don't understand, you know. And I think it's, people can. They're just going to hoard their money. And it's just because, you you know, if you 
think from whatever you've read that you don't pay that that's not going to hit your your credit history for rental and you're just going to be able to move somewhere else it's you have something else coming and as it relates to lending you know as you're aware is if you know you make a decision maybe not to work not pay something because of the hardship of what's going on instead of just trying to make it by um you know lenders look at typically two years back and you know they want to see consistent income and that you continue to have your job and you know the other aspect that i've been hearing that is just a nature of what's going on is businesses that are they're laying people off but so so those people can collect unemployment and then they're giving them cash on the side to be able to like try to work through this um which but I can't speak on behalf of what they're doing or encourage it or support it. But when you look at it from a lending perspective, if that person, you know, as we get out of this wants to go buy a house in the future and they have that break in employment where they were unemployed and it's, I don't think people are, are looking at the long term um, at all uh, because I do see this as a few month kind of blip until we're back to somewhat normal. Um, and if you, this, the decisions you make right now can, you know, impact you in the future, if you decide, you know, not to pay your critical bills, um, like you described. Yeah. Especially for us too, um, that have a, you know, that have mortgages on apartments, you know, um, I tell people this, I said, look, I've been in lending. You went through the crash. I did. I said, when, when things are tough, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We're working. I mean, when things get good, they're going to be like, Oh, Rami, that time where we let them miss three apartment loan payments because this, they're going to look at you differently. I don't care what, they're not, so everybody's going to get looked at differently in what you do. And so I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy that this whole rent, non-rent thing, but there's, I don't see anything. I'm talking to people that we're, we're a business. We buy a property, we put debt on it, we put money down. We make it nice. We spend money on it. We run a business. We do things the right way, and we provide housing. And we're so we're just like you said. We just get penalized, so we're not getting a bailout. So you're not the government's like. Are you giving them money to pay their rent? So I think people are going to hoard money because when I hear people can't pay rent, I'm like, cool. Show me your bank statements, then. I need to see like snapshot that you don't have money in it. What are you doing with it? Such a tough landlord, Kenny. I'm lucky I don't know, but I feel, I feel bad for people. People have to understand like this is a trickle down effect, you know? Well, the, the challenge is I, I was kind of waiting. I was saying, when is this going to impact construction? So on the design side, I have a project in design and everything moved to zoom meetings. And I really didn't like zoom meetings three weeks ago. And now I think I'll move some of my business to actually continue using zoom meetings, which is an interesting shift in society that yep. I think will come out of this. And, uh, you know, people are working from home and people continue to design. But on the construction side, it was, okay, this is an exception, but what's going to be the trickle down? Like, what's going to trickle down? And it's just created so much work because there's so many different aspects of everybody's business that everybody's doing things slower because they're trying to figure out how to work from home, communicate, you know, approve things. Um, Dixie Line Fund Control, which is the fund control for the project. Uh, that was a concern. If they shut their doors, 
what am I going to do? Get checks directly from the lender and distribute them and act as fund control. And luckily Dixie line still open, but they have new rules. So now if you want to cash your checks, you have to send something in advance. They have the check ready for you. And then you have to distribute this. So all the subcontractors are familiar with the new rules. So, uh, it's, it's a lot of moving parts. What, you know, what I've done during this time where a lot of, you know, I don't have kids, you know, I don't have my kids bothering me at home. Like some people do is distractions is I've taken this time to try to, you know, clean house and get everything in order and prepare taxes and do everything that I need to do that all of that, like to do list that you never really got to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything that I'm going through, you know, is the oil change on the car is like, did I change what? the wiper blades, you know, <laughs> all these old clothes out of my closet, ordering new stuff online, you know, like just like getting set up on a baseline for, to be able to be successful in the future and open my time up. Um, and then still having the consistency of the same amount of time that I worked before, but spending more time in organization and preparation. So that, you know, as the market comes back or there's opportunities, I have the time to pursue them. I call it like uh, that, you know, if you don't have the, uh, the, the universe, you know, brings you opportunities, but if you don't have the time and capability to pursue it, then it'll fly by you. It's kind of like that person in a relationship that is always waiting for something better to come along, but they're still in the relationship and they're never going to find that, you know, true love until they give up what they're current or work through and give up what they're currently with. So it's, it's kind of that idea. So I've been, you know, setting up, putting some systems in place, you know, every file on my computer's cleaned up. Um, and I think that's where, you know, people have the opportunity to spend time and energy instead of just watching the news and following the count is being safe. And also, you know, immune system side, I know this is a real estate call, but me and my wife, we're on the 4.30, wake up like you, you know, meditate, pray, excuse, meditate, journal, uh, uh, you know, read in the morning, and then 5.30 a.m., we're, we're, we're exercising. And what happened at our, uh, at our high-rise that we live in is uh, we started to run the stairs at 5.30 in the morning, in the stairwell, and they had to send out an email blast to everybody because we woke everybody up around that stairwell from so much noise at 5.30 in the morning. So we made up our own other workouts, you know, we work out in the kitchen at 530 in the morning and probably wake up the person below us, but you kind of have to adapt and do what you have to do. But literally there are no excuses. It's consistency and you're either going to do it. And whether it's Corona or not, you're either going to exercise because you're going to exercise every day because you're going to journal because you're going to get organized and that's what it takes. So it's been a trying time, but I think I'm growing stronger through this knowing that you know, if I could keep my head on, cool, you know, keep my cool, keep everything organized, keep a project moving in this environment that, you know, as things turn around, uh, you know, it's only going to get better. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, we just had a baby, our second baby over the weekend, so I can make all the excuses. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like throw more on there. But honestly, the same thing, Rami. I, um, I just tell people I can sit here and who's going to, and I don't, I, I don't, like I always tell people, I don't watch the news when I have conversations. I don't watch the news. 
I only listen to, if I'm getting information, it's data, it's from people that professionals. So I'm not getting it from some CNN reporter, Fox News or whatever it is, politicians. So, but I agree. I mean, the, the only thing we can do is wake up and get some routine in life. So funny, I kind of got off my routine a little bit because of kid and all this. And today was the first day I was back at 3.30 and I'm running. It's funny. Now I only run because the renegade's shut. So I'm, I tell people now running down the streets and I see all the homeless people all the way down to like Hillcrest. I just wave, Hey, good morning. How's it going? Like just doing my thing. And Kenny, Kenny um, yeah, yeah. what is it? If, if you're up at, you know, if, if you walk, if you're walking or running the streets at four o'clock in the morning, you're either an overachiever or you're a crackhead, right? Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just, the, I guess I'm the overachiever waiting at the crackhead. That's what I said. <laughs> But no, you got to get up and you, you got to, you, you, like you said, you got to gear up because when this thing turns around, it is like I tell people, um, it, this is, it's, we're down. So we went up and down and when we go up, like that's another, it's adrenaline rush and you got to be ready for it. I'm going to be ready. You know, I'm not going to sit here and mope and like, if people don't pay rent, you're going to deal with it. Right. Just like anything else. Like you, you got to have, you know, 12 sanitizers, you know, on a guy's belt now or whatever. You, got, you just got to do it. Like, it, it sucks, but this is a new world. It, it could be over in three, four months. There's a, another aspect, you know, that's in the practicality, not to get in the development world and construction of big numbers with projects, but just from a, you know, we've, we're pretty frugal as it goes to spending me and my wife, um, you know, we share a car that's paid off. We only had one car, you know, for all the time, you know, for eight years that we've been together. Awesome. Um, you know, there's no debt aside from real estate, you know, set money aside. So coming into this, it's okay if, you know, some fees don't come in or, you know, we lost pay or something happened. We have money set aside. We know there's light at the end of the tunnel. This isn't going to be forever. and we could continue to make the decisions to grow and focus on growing and working through it than just focus on paying bills. Because if you have no money and you're in this situation, I, I can't imagine what you're going through because there is no light at the end of the tunnel. There is no way for you to go drive Uber to drive Lyft because no one's getting in a car. You're putting yourself in health danger. And it's just a, a big wake up call, I think, to, you know, be able to put some money aside and be in a you know, healthy financial position. So when things like this come along that, you know, it doesn't become an emergency in your life, you know, and that you can focus and make decisions with your head on straight, you know, that are the best for society, for you and your family, you know, instead of, you know, flailing out of desperation. And I think some of the hysteria that we're getting is some pe people that are in those positions that we're living paycheck to paycheck, you know, for, you know, potentially, you know, if it's a single mother that's living paycheck to paycheck, great. But you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, spend more than they make, you know, and spend frivolously and rack up payments in a car they shouldn't be driving. And then something like this happens and they can't even put a roof over their head. So hopefully it's a wake-up call overall to, uh, you know, cut down on consumer debt and, you know, take that approach. But I know no, what you're I mean, you and I, you and I know. I mean, we know each other that way. That's 
that's one of our philosophies. It's just funny. I've gotten calls and people are like, when this thing went down, they're like, my first person I thought of was you. They're like, the way you live, they're like, man, like, this is like, I said, yeah, when things are good, they're good. It's great. You know, when things are good, they're, they're amazing. And when things money's are bad, coming in, you're paying the car payment, you're paying the house payment, the vacation, all this. And when things stop, all that shit that you care about or like you want to buy to impress people, it's out the window. And like you said, all you care about is like, I'm now having to react in this moment or situation because I don't, I don't have any money. Like, and it's out of panic and desperation. It's like the worst position to make a decision is when you're panicked and, and it's, it's, it's vulnerable. It's sucks. So I, I, I have a friend that he has a, he has a window washing business. You know, you just with the squeegee, you know, small lotter does houses, some small businesses and none of the houses are calling him right now because everyone's staying in place and not focused on that, you know, with spring cleaning, what you would expect, all the small businesses are closed. And then his kind of backup when times are slow is to drive Uber and Lyft and no one's riding in Ubers or Lyfts. And he, you know, didn't set the money aside and he's going, what do I do? I always thought at least Uber or Lyft would be there to make a few bucks. Um, and that's, uh, you know, it, it also kind of shifts to the, um, I mean, the only, the only over leveraged people in real estate that I know are the people who bought and managed Airbnbs in this market was, you know, paying too much for real estate to get Airbnb income, usually places where it's not legal for the city, but they haven't cracked down. And, uh, you know, I know some people that that was their livelihood. You know, oh, I send a cleaner and I collect Airbnb and that's how I, you know, buy my steak dinners and pay my bills and my rent. Uh, and, you know, that's dried up and there's a chat room on Facebook for San Diego Airbnbs and it's, it's bad. These people are depressed and saying they can't pay their mortgages and they can't put food on the table because they solely relied on Airbnb guests you know, and they're highly leveraged on the properties, you know, and they thought it was their, their lottery ticket for the rest of their life of, you know, easy, you know, easy money. And, uh, yeah, I have, I have four VRBOs. Um, so I get it. We've been a little bit lucky because a couple of people, a couple of people got s stuck here. So they stayed. So I went on and I said, what are people doing? And it's, there's another scenario I think that's worse. There's people that went out and rented 10 homes. Oh, and, they, and then they're subleasing as, as Airbnbs. So there's a guy that has a program, which he sells people on this mm -hmm. to go rent and he has a hundred homes. And so, yep, he's, I don't know his name, but he's well known. He sells this program and like I immediately just said, you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. I go, okay, like this isn't going to drown me, but um, people are can't, April's pretty dead. May's we'll see. I think April and May will be dead. I got, I got kind of lucky people got stuck in there, but um, I pivoted and I said, okay, what can we do? And I've already within a couple of days, we've already had it repositioned and I'm trying to rent short term to nurses that are being, or there's another thing where nurses get moved around a lot, they need two, three months, whatever. And I'm just trying to see if that, and a lot of these vacation ones are going there too, and Airbnb and VRB are doing that. But 
yeah, I mean, there's these people that are renting houses that pay, they're making money and now they got all these leases and they have nobody in there and that landlord has a mortgage and they, same thing, this is such a trickle down effect, you know? There's a global- There's anything wrong, it's just, this is where we're at, you know? Yeah, and it's a, there's a global company, uh, Sonder, which is the yeah. largest Airbnb master, master tenant uh, who takes down buildings yeah. from landlords you know essentially they are a flagship brand name like a hyatt but for smaller buildings all around the world yep. for property owners and uh we were negotiate in negotiations with them like far along in the project in golden hill there's a handful of units that are intended to be airbnb when they're complete that are permitted for it and uh they just uh we were pretty you know last round to sign the legal agreement and they pulled the ripcord in a heartbeat. They said, we are not signing any more deals right now. And the, yeah, their, their, their current occupancy is low, like abysmal low, 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 low. So I don't know how they're justifying paying that master lease to all of these landlords while not collecting income. So it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, and it's also, a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time for those who have money in the stock, who had money in the stock market, um, because they can't pivot and, you know, it, it's not as free as it used to be before it was, let me take money out of the market. That's good to go buy real estate. But when your portfolio gets slashed by 25 or 30%, you know, it's really hard to pull that money out. You kind of say, let me stick it out and write it out. Um, you know, fortunate enough, I don't have dough in the market and, um, you know, fortunate enough, I'm not finishing a building right now. The other aspect is, uh, one of my buddies is finishing a 24 unit project in North park. And uh, I, I, talked I, know to, it, I know which one it is. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to his, uh, broker who's, uh, shopping the loan. And I said, is anyone coming to the table? And he said, well, there's obviously agency uh, uh, Fanny and Freddie, but he said for multifamily, but the challenge there is they're still not up to speed on the affordable housing, uh, rent restricted units. So a lot of these buildings that are getting built have a handful of rent restricted units, about 10% to take advantage of, uh, the density bonus law from the state, but the lender, the lending world has not caught up. So the agency lenders, every one of those agreements with each housing agency, every housing agency is, a, is different in every jurisdiction across the state. And the lenders aren't willing to go through and, and figure out the legalese of every one of these agencies. So Fannie and Freddie just said, we ain't doing it. So typically you would go to uh, uh, you know, the, the private market or you know, just a conventional conventional lender and he said you know he's seen one lender come back to the market that they're talking to but over the last 30 days their rate jumped a half a point um all the while their rate to borrow you know from the fed is less but it's just because of the uncertainty and then the other position that he's seeing is a lot of these multifamily lenders you know, aren't even allowing cash out. 
I don't know if Crystal's there, if you've heard feedback on trying to get cash out right now or. She's not, I mean, look, they're the, the, I mean, you know, that's what she's done. So um, here we go again, right? I mean, Chase and the last downturn didn't lend for two years, really. They did nothing. So it's, it's interesting right now. Yeah, they raise the rates. Why do they raise the rates? They just don't want to do loans. They just, they're waiting to see what happens. It's basically everybody's waiting for two months. Hey, we're just going to sit it out for two months. We think you'll get better until then. We don't need a loan. We're good. We had a good first quarter. We're good. Everybody else that needs a loan, you're screwed. Yeah. I think it's the best strategy. So the, the strategy in that project that I recommend, you know, what they do is what they do is, uh, is taking a strategy of, you know, extend the loan with the construction lender. Um, you know, be the, the, the challenge with buildings that are getting complete in the construction development world right now is nobody's moving into units because everyone's staying in place and your stabilization rents when your project is first complete dictate the financing that you get for yeah. the next 10 years potentially 10 years of the project so you want to make sure you maximize those rents as high as you can because your lender is giving you money based off those rents upon stabilization of the building being complete so it's a big deal for developers not to finish in December and January. And if you finish in November or December or January, even take the approach of just like waiting it out till February to actually get that strong, those strong rents instead of discounting. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, the people that are finishing buildings at this time, if they take an approach that's more of a long-term and looking at that 10 year debt and saying, you know what, I'm going to just hold out and, Maybe my building will take longer to fill up. The 24 units aren't going to lease up in 60 days like it would have three months ago. Maybe it takes me four or five months, which is a little more normal in most markets across the U.S., but I'm able to lock in that long-term great financing. Um, so, unfortunate for me, I'm not in that position right now. The project in construction won't be done till later this year, and I think, you know, hopefully it'll actually benefit it because uh, if things are back to normal and people decide they're going to, you know, start moving around. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I think hopefully we're talking in six months and things move around and things go back to normal because, you know, they, they can shoot up quickly. You know, things change for the worse, they change for the better. So I think a lot of people are just the wait and see. And, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your pain and just your side of things from the development and, We'll stay in touch and I'll have to, I'm going to see who's paying rent here in the next five, six days. So I'll let you know. If you need a couch to sleep, I got one for you. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Rami. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.